Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, witches, warlocks, and kin of all kind, and thank you for listening in on Earth to Ether. Today's show will be about Autumnal Arcana. For now, it is All Hallows' Eve, or the day perhaps right after. It is a season of change, a season of time, of harvest, of gathering together, collecting, abundance, and endings. In Celtic tradition, the Night of Samhain, or spelled Samhain, uh, is known as the New Year. That the beginning of the year would start in darkness, in a space of the void, which we might link in in Taoism to the yin, or in science to uh, the quantum vacuum before the Big Bang, or in biblical times to the darkness of the primordial waters. And that out of that beginning phase of pure potential, the dark space between the stars, that night without light, and from that infinity is then born the word, the light, the beginning of fruition. The winter time itself is like the darkness as the stars sparkle above down on winter snow, and the autumn is the time that leads us into that darkness and then the fires that are lit, particularly around festivus season, as life turns on and turns into spring. So we have this yin into yang, we have darkness and then light, we have the beginning in pure potential, which then becomes a creation. And just in this way, so we have ourselves to take this autumn time to both harvest everything that we've gained over the year, to cut away what we don't want to bring forward, and to take this rest into the night, into that warm, safe, dark space, akin to life in the womb, knowing that as we pass through the darker half of the year, and emerge on the other side, what we nurture inside will be what is born in spring. So light that fire and bring that flame into being as we enter a time where we are all moved by nature to turn inwards. And as we look at nature, we can see clues to how we can be clearly connected to the mystery of life and death and rebirth. If you look at the trees, most clearly we can see that fall comes when so fall the leaves, changing color, then sprinkling down to the ground. And if you were to imagine the flow of energy, the flow of sap and life-giving forces inside of the tree, inside of the plant, you'd see it arising from the roots gathered by the leaves from the sun, and that that energy goes from the center of the tree and spreads outwards, making leaves, making flowers, making fruits. And then as the seasons change and it gets colder and the winds blow, those fruits and flowers, those leaves, they dry up, they fall off, they tumble down to the ground. And the energy that gave life to them, 
that sap retreats back into the tree, into the center, into the roots. And there it stays throughout the winter until it rises again and exudes outwards to the extremities once more in spring. So we can follow this flow of energy. And as we've discussed before, a human being has many things in similar to a tree in our function. If you were to stand next to a tree, your feet are like your roots there upon the earth, giving you balance and stability. And your arms reaching outwards and upwards are like branches through which you can feel the wind and the sun's rays pouring down onto your face, onto your torso, your own trunk. And if you move your hands in a big circle up top, out to the sides and down, you create a sort of mm, little whirlpool, kind of like a Vesca Pisces. But the motion of that by going up the center of the body to the top, then out to the sides and down and around and then up again, that sort of motion is like the motion of energy spreading into the leaves and then falling downwards. And if you were to reverse this flow by reaching out to the sides, gathering up to the top and then bringing your hands down, bringing the flow down through the center of your body and then out and around again, this is the other direction of that toroidal field. And in this way, we can see how energy goes from the extremities and draws back into the center and down. So with that movement, that idea of gathering in all the energy, the harvest, gathering in the grains and all the vegetables and plants from the fields, we are drawing in that yield and consolidating it within. So with our minds, our activities, even how we move our bodies, just knowing that it's okay to not always be in quote-unquote summertime mode, to have to be um, extroverted or have to be, you know, going out places with a smile on your face. And I suppose as a side note, we can say that society generally has been in a kind of winter mode for like the last two years or so, but... Even so, it's important to note that there are times of year when it is actually good to be inside and to stay warm and to be with loved ones and to take it easy on yourself and not have to feel like you have to go out and just do it all, okay? And yet, the autumn is that sort of final time to really yeah, go out in the fields and gather forage and hunt what you need in order to store it for the winter time. So if there's something that you want to take action on or some creation that's been brewing in your cauldron, then it may well be a good time to pour that bowl of soup and drink it down. Or however the metaphor suits your particular situation. Another word, if we will, upon... <sighs> letting go and also as we let go our minds become more empty more clear there's less that we're holding on to less to juggle around and so there's space 
there's space to breathe, there's space for clarity. And just like the, the fresh, cool, slightly sharp wind that comes in autumn time, our minds can be like that, our breath can be like that. In traditional Chinese medicine, the element of the season autumn is metal, which has that same sort of sharp, fresh bite like the wind. And that metal rules the lungs and large intestine and the body, which again is connected to this taking in, this breathing out, this process of absorbing energy from your environment, consolidating it within you, and then yeah, releasing it back down into the earth. So there's something there in our flow. There's something to catch a hold of, to allow your consciousness to be sharp and clear, electric even, and yet allowing for stillness to begin. And just like at Halloween time when we think of spooky things and spirits and ghosts and monsters and all these sorts of things that are connected to the otherworldly, there is possibility when we create space to allow new things to seep through the cracks in our shell, the cracks in our reality. And just like that potential that exists within infinite darkness of space, with a void, so anything can come into being from that place. As most of you may know, the reason that Halloween is at this time of year is connected to the idea that the veil is thinnest here. That for some reason in the cycle and the turning of the year, this is a time, perhaps because, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, we're facing away from the sun more often now. Perhaps it is a increase in yin energy or nighttime energy since there is less direct solar radiation that is uh, brightening up the earth. And that in nighttime, when there's not that bombardment of, uh, sort of constant energy, there is, again, this space of potential of the unknown, and from out of the unknown, things can emerge. I've heard it said that, in a way, like, ghosts could show up at nighttime, but not during daytime, because the light is so intense that there would be no, no possible means of manifestation, and even if there were, you'd never see, never notice, there's too much activity. But at nighttime, or in the nighttime of the year, autumn and winter, there's this similar space of emptiness. And also people sleep more, so there's more subconscious consciousness that's in the collective. We're, we're all in a state of dreaming, rather than all being awake and busy paying attention to things. Especially if you consider like the observation effects in quantum physics and how things tend to remain more stable in reality the more observation is placed upon it. And when observation is not placed upon it, then it enters into a state of potential where it can have many possible outcomes, such as being a wave or a particle. So in this way, we can start to see how it does kind of make sense that the dark time of the year would have more 
spiritual activity associated with it, especially in the sort of night side uh, flavor of things. I will also like to note that um, I read this great book. I learned part of the origin, actually, of trick-or-treating um, that way, way back in the time, I believe it was in Ireland, it's definitely a Celtic land, sorry, there was a tradition where children of a certain age uh, would be sort of uh, sent away on from the village on a ritual initiation. And this ritual initiation involved the children following the, the druids or the the priests of the cult uh, to the fairy hills or the raths. Uh, they have a, a bunch of names. And that the fairy hills would actually have an entrance and that you could go into the fairy hill and actually enter into the mound and into the inner earth, into the other world. And now whether this was like a dimensional portal or it was an actual like tunnel to the inner earth like a you know honeycombed sort of underground network uh or whether it was simply you know going inside this mound and you know going through different rituals of initiation and ceremonies while surrounded by you know the bones of their ancestors in any case this was an initiation ritual that required the children to be away from home for a significant period of time. And when it was finally when it was finally over, the children would return, but they would no longer be considered the same people. Because part of this communion with the ancestors and the Fae and these ancient spirits was sort of like if you have a past life and then you were born again but you wanted to connect your past life memories to your current life, it's sort of like that. Like there would be a, a connection or a conduiting or a, or a download of information that would occur between these spiritual beings and the children under initiation that would transform them in some capacity. And so when the children returned, they could not simply be welcomed home in the same way uh, that they normally would as if they were the, you know, the same people before their initiation. In fact, the whole point of, or most of the point of initiations in any society is that it involves a change of state, you know, like becoming an adult, for example. In our society, marriage is an initiation, getting your driver's license is an initiation, Sweet 16 is an initiation, you know, there's sort of different levels of that, but ancient societies took that a lot more seriously. And so they would, uh, yeah, they would go around and they would essentially, all the homes would leave out food for their children. So the children could not be welcomed back in because they were still in this sort of between state of transformation. And so on the night, they would return back to the village. They would be able to sort of, you know, get the candy or actual food, you know, like bread and milk and honey and vegetables and whatnot. Um, and of course, the children would be in tattered rags from having lived underground in a mound for uh, you know several months or moons so yeah anyways that's one of the origin points of this uh, and I believe that's actually where the word hobgoblin comes from too but we can go deeper into linguistic lore of the ancient dragon traditions on another episode also I don't know if anyone else ever considers this but when I look at jack-o'-lanterns what I see are like 
vegetable sacrifices, but in a in an odd way, it's like again this connection to to creation and also letting go. Like you're taking yeah, you're taking a source of sustenance, maybe make some seeds out of it, and then carving your creativity into it. Maybe making something simple or something beautiful or something really scary. But that that light, I've heard it called that the jack-o'-lantern would sort of protect your home against uh, against you know spirits that were roaming around at night. But I've also heard it that those lights are actually for like your own ancestors and for you know the the friendly dead that sort of are looking for you know uh, guidance or or a guiding light to to know their homes or to have a way when they travel about. So. In any case, there are many stories across the world to be shared, and many different kinds of spiritual traditions, Dias de los Muertos, Samhain, All Hallows Eve, and many more. And wherever you are, however you celebrate, and however you will choose to harvest what you've created this year, to consolidate and allow yourself to transform in the dark half of the year. I wish you well, and the best of fortune, and a reminder of the infinite potential in that darkness. For you to bloom and blossom into any season.